All right, so let me get on with uh, introducing our next preacher. Uh, I really appreciate Jeff Drillinger. He's an awesome husband, a, a great dad, a, like a super incredible grandpa. He, I've seen him do some of the silliest things as a grandpa. It's great. But most of all, I just really love and appreciate he's a man who loves God. And uh, the one thing I don't like about him is he's self-deprecating. You know what that means? What does that mean? Yeah, you... you you belittle yourself in front of people in the camera. It makes me mad. He gets up here and says he's not very smart. He's just a country bumpkin. You know what, Jeff? Be quiet about that. You're supposed to be preaching the truth, not lies, right? You know, I really love this guy because he does preach the truth. And he puts it in a way you can understand it. And he uses examples that, like, hit you right where you live. And that's the measure of a great man of God, who can take the truth, he can give you the truth, but then he communicates what it looks like in real time, in real life. And so let's give it up for this great man of God, Jeff Trilliger! He doesn't do that with Brian. <laughs> All right, are we on there? I got the light. I got the light. Do you have the light? Well, we're opening up here if you want to turn. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> so, uh, um, Bill had... Uh, Given folks titles and stuff, and and but in reality, uh, the main title would be for uh, us at Pleasant Hill. Uh, we have here, as you see, um, this law of momentum, but it's actually it's the the power of hope this year, and in in actuality, that's the the theme of the camp in a sense. Um, that's what I've been hearing. I don't know about you, is the power that uh, is there, and. <clears throat> So with my title, the, the Hope of the Gospel and of Glory, the Hope of the Gospel and of Glory, um, but really um, behind all that is the power of hope. Um, so let's read here in Colossians chapter 1, we're starting in verse 21 down through 29, and then I'll just probably have you keep your, your finger in there because we will be coming back to it throughout the lesson. <clears throat> And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body 
through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister for a servant, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the, <clears throat> the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that they, <clears throat> we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Let's uh, go to God in a word of prayer. Great and glorious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful morning, um, both in your physical creation as we look outside here at these windows, but also um, your spiritual creation uh, in this room, Father, and as abroad. <clears throat> I just praise you, Father, um, and your kingdom, your church, your bride, as we come around on this day, uh, most specifically to remember you, but as we look here at this short period of time, at this passage and others, Father, I just pray that you would give me wisdom, uh, the wisdom from above, that I would speak forth clearly and accurately uh, uh, your word, that I would present it in a way that it would be in a manner worthy of you, that it would encourage and build up those who would hear your word. <clears throat> Father, all the more as we see that day drawing near. And uh, I do pray, Father, that uh, this message would be yours and uh, that it would be clear and concise according to your will and it be to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to try to stay on track a little bit. Usually you guys hear stories and stuff from me and... This morning, not, maybe not so much. We're going to stick to the kind of the scriptures. Um, um, and then hopefully these scriptures from the other men's messages that have come. Um, and hopefully I'm in a sense kind of building. We may even go back and visit some of those passages. But as I was kind of reviewing my lesson last night, I was thinking, well, what's the goal of my lesson? And, uh, you know, uh, I thought about... Part of the goal is for you to hold fast this hope and this power that we have to um, really fix your hope completely. You see Paul here as a servant and his, doing his part. He's really wanting to present every man and woman complete. And part of that completeness is to grasp and understand the power and the power of glorious hope that we have. <clears throat> But then as thinking of some other things. Um, <clears throat> but in reality, um, this message and this title that Bill has given me is huge. Now, Steve and I were talking, and he mentioned, it's like, 
Oh my goodness. Hopefully you can just kind of just open this up and just, okay, you can start preaching. But unfortunately, what Christendom, we usually hear other things instead of a message of hope. It's like, I don't know if it's like self-abasement, you know, kind of the law sort of thing, or, um, well, the licentiousness. It's just the gift. You know, we don't, we don't really get in and focus on the hope. And the church should be focused on hope because, oh my goodness, I have this, this passage and this title is so huge, we couldn't even come close to touching it with a 10-foot pole. So kind of my goal is, is to kind of throw something out there that hopefully will stick a little bit. And maybe my encouragement to you is to fix your hope, to fix your eyes. We, this gloriousness that we have um, is huge, and we need to. And hopefully you'll see why. So I have three points um, in a sense. And the first is hopelessness. And you think, oh, we're talking about hope. Why would we talk about hopelessness? But we will, but briefly, hopefully. And then uh, the second two points, they're divided, but they're all the one. It's, you know, because the title, the hope of the gospel. And then he says, the hope of glory. But reality, it's all the same. But we're going to kind of divide it, and hopefully you'll see why and how I've divided it. We're going to talk about the hope of the gospel, and then the third point is the hope of the glory, Christ in you, riches of glory. And my prayer and hope is truly that uh, I will give you some scriptures that maybe bring to light a little bit more of something that maybe I'm only truly starting to grasp and understand a little bit. Paul even talks about uh, the prayer that he has for the saints that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. So hopefully, maybe the little bit of light that I've seen, I will give to you this morning in some of the passages that we'll cover. So let's get started. <clears throat> Hopelessness. Wow, what in the world? Um, but I heard this term, and I've mentioned that a few of you in discussions this week, and um, I heard it this last week. I don't know where it came from, but it says the uh, there's a reason the windshield is made much larger than the rear rear mirror. We still have the rear rear mirror, and so <clears throat> hopelessness and taking a look at it, and it's hopelessness beyond this despair of this world. You know, you get to see that Brian and I have seen it throughout the years. You know, you think about some true hopelessness, but. In reality, hopelessness is beyond. God causes it to rain on the good and the bad. You know, Mr. Nagy talked about some things that seem like very despairing situation. But you know what? Those things happen on people that are non-Christian, whatever. Those things are happening all the time. There is hopelessness beyond just this world. But a look at hopelessness and an understanding of it will help us further grasp True hope. My next two points. So kind of having a view of that a little bit. And I think Christians, to become a Christian, is you got to understand a little bit of what hopelessness truly is. Because what does the law do? It's a tutor to get you. But if you see that law, it's like you stand what? Condemned. There's going to be some words that I use here. So let's start 
looking at this. And in verse 21 and 22 of our passage, it says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind. So, you know, he's talking about formally. So he's trying to switch your mind. But really, in the rear view mirror, we see alienated, hostile, engaged in evil deeds. Yet he has now reconciled you. You know, that's a, that's a good thing. And that's where our minds need to go, looking through the windshield. But what about, what does reconcile mean? What's the opposite of that? It's a relationship term. And if you're not reconciled, I don't know. I know a lot of you have had friendships and different things. Somebody mentioned about, um, you know, the, um, I think it was Mark maybe, the, the relationships that he lost. You know, lost relationships, relationships are separated. Those are some pretty despairing situations. So the terms that I'm going to be using, alienate. You know about what an alien is? You know, if you are somebody in a different country and you don't speak the language, you don't understand the customs or anything else, alienate. You don't feel like you fit, right? That's hopeless. When you can't communicate. Hostile. Ever been in true hostilities? God says we were enemies. An enemy. And I'm not talking about an enemy that is just like, okay, you know, they don't like me. No, I'm talking about somebody that's out to trade. To destroy you for all eternity. Engaged in. Separated relationships with each time. Well, jump up to verses 13 and 14 of Colossians 1. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. That was a hope term, but he said, but if you look at what he rescued us from, darkness. You ever been in the dark? How about rescued? How about the opposite of that is not rescued? You know, we see the, uh, the rich person in heaven and there's or, uh, in that spot and then there's Lazarus and he's like hey there's nobody going to come and rescue him outside of Christ there's that's what you have to look forward to nobody come you're all alone and you're not in it with anybody else yeah you're thrown in this place but there's a loneliness there that nobody's coming for you. You want to talk about hopelessness. It's like even the world holds on to things. It's just maybe. But no, true hopelessness, there's, there's nobody coming to rescue you. Do you see where this verse, these verses are talking about? He rescued us. And there's nobody else coming. No other hope. From darkness. You ever been in the dark? Now my daughter-in-law does not like the dark. She's learning to be able to understand it a little bit. But that's not true darkness. We're coming out packing an animal out or something. And half the time I turn my headlamp off because the ambient light. I'm tripping more because my son's behind me with his headlamp. Like last night, we were down there by the river. How many people were slipping and tripping because the light behind was, you couldn't see the rocks there and you're slipping and falling, right? 
No, that's not darkness. Darkness is where you cannot see. And it, it's a very scary place. It is cold. Not redeemed. He says here, uh, and transferred us into the kingdom of his blood in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Redeemed. There's a price. The precious price of Christ's blood. That's how precious you are. But those outside of Christ, they aren't redeemed. The true hopelessness is no redemption. No purchase. You're owned by somebody. And that's Satan. And no forgiveness. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. What's the opposite of that? No forgiveness. You stand condemned. Well, I have 16 at least, roughly, more scriptures. If you want to come up and take pictures afterwards of some of the passages, you can have them. But we're not, again, this is just the rear of your mirror. We want to get on to the other points. But I'm going to use some phrases. And some of you that have, uh, are mindful of the scriptures will recognize some of these phrases. Separate from Christ. Excluded. Have you ever been excluded from something? Something that you really desire? This is excluded from hope. Excluded. That's hopelessness. It's without hope. No hope. Without God in the world. And you that are Christians, imagine going through the things that are in the world, the rain that falls on all of us, going through it without God. You see that all around us. You drive right down through the middle of Eugene, and you see without God in the world. How about dead? And now we're not talking just dead. The last three years of my career, um, that's all I did. I saw so many dead people, I can't even keep count and dealing with that. But we're talking for all eternity. Death, separation. The body without the spirit is dead, empty, void. And we're going to talk about that in the third point. Lost. Have you truly been lost? Like, you know, sometimes I tell people when I've been out there hunting and stuff, Nah, I never got lost. I get mixed up once in a while, but you know. But no, truly being lost, not knowing the way out. Slaves. Captive. Captivity. You know, and you think, oh, captive. Well, look at human trafficking and some of these things where you truly, you know, it's incredible. But those outside of Christ, that which is hopeless. True hopelessness is captivity. Blind, that darkness again. Perishing. Condemned. Throughout my career, I saw some people and there was nobody there. They had a public defender. Oh, I'm supposed to be speaking for them, but nobody else showed up. I saw a guy who I watched, I arrested him, watched in a circuit court where he was sentenced to two or three life sentences. And then we went to federal court. And rarely, rarely do you ever see anybody in the federal system sentenced to life. 
I saw him sentenced to life as that Baptist guy was. But to see him standing up there, the gavel hitting, and he's condemned. But that's not hopelessness. There's still, he's still alive. But those outside of Christ, and they die in this physical form. Guilty. Where's your wedding clothes? Who are you? I don't know you. Out to the burn pot. That is hopelessness. So now, let's look through the front windshield. Okay? We don't want to be there. We, don't, we shouldn't have the message of hopelessness. There's too much of that going on. The fear-mongering and everything else. Our message needs to be hope and the power of hope. And the power right now. Not like, okay, down the road sort of thing. Yes, but hopefully in the next few minutes I will show you that it's now. Verses 21 through 23 <clears throat> And although you were formerly alienated and hostile mind engaged in evil, yet now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence blameless with great joy. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, you talk about hope. Is that the message that we live? Kirk talked last night about the, that faithful expectation. Is it being lived out? Do you have that hope and is it being manifested in your life? Right. Romans 4. I'm used to a clock there at the back. <clears throat> Romans 6, or I'm sorry, Romans 4, 6 and 8. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. And whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So this second point, the hope of the gospel, kind of just one piece inside of it is that forgiveness of sins. It's like, wow. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. For in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And we're going to be talking about this more in the third point, so don't forget this passage. The fullness of deity dwells in body form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. We saw that last night, right? Down at the river. The operation taking place. The removal of the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him, through faith in the working of God. God was doing an operation then. 
It was this young man's faith in God doing that work. Who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision in your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 through 9. Somebody used this passage earlier. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. We're going to talk about that in the third point, this inheritance. We're going to touch on that. <clears throat> he who protected, who is, who are protected by the power of God through faith who are protected by the power of God. Grasp a hold of that. There's a power. And you're going to see how the Christian has the power now. The power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in to the praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a little teaser for you to go check out. Check out the term to the praise of his glory. Just go look that up and start chewing on that a little bit. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Does that joy manifest itself in the power of hope in you? Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Hebrews chapter 6. Before we transition into point 3. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. In the same way, God desired even more to show the heirs of promise... I'm going to talk about that here in just a sec. To the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. My encouragement, the goal of my lesson this morning is to hopefully have you grasp a hold of that hope. It's the message that we should be living out. Not just preaching, but living. It's not something down the road. It's now. Yep. It's living. It should be. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The hope of the gospel forgiveness of sins. That is so awesome. Thing is, is how many in Christian that's where it stops? Ah, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Hmm. 
My third point, the hope of glory. Christ in you, riches of glory. I'm going to kind of keep building on this hope. Because really it's a third point, but it's all part of the same. Wow, what a huge and beyond what a uh, uh, message, beyond what I could even begin to cover. Uh, and that's just the little part that I grasp or understand and starting to comprehend a little more. Verses 25 of our passage here in Colossians chapter 1. The second part of it, and we'll go read on down. <clears throat> so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery. You know, I hear a lot of this stuff about the mystery, and it's like, well, that's only the Holy Spirit. Well, the thing is, is mystery is the word, too, because... yes. yes. It says here, as we'll read in a moment, it's Christ in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is Christ, and Christ is the Word. So it's all. The angels long to look at what all this plan is. Did you ever ask why? I tell, I, um, Steve and I are talking about what I kind of do with the young kids. Is I, I always say, ask the hard questions. You know, faith is the assurance of things so for the conviction of things I've seen. Can't be your mommy and daddy's conviction. It can't be your mommy and daddy's assurance. Can't be the preacher's assurance and conviction, although it may be the same when you finally come to that. But it's got to be yours. You got to own it. Are you sure? Are you convinced and convicted of what? Why is there God? You're asked that. Well, why did God? Say Jesus had to die. Why did they say baptism? Why did God use that? Well, you know, he told Naaman, hey, you want to get clean? You got to go, got to go wash in this muddy puddle over here. Well, I don't want to do that. Why do that? He asked, why? Why do I got to do it? Why can't I do it in this fancy? You know, do you ever ask? I'm not quite sure sometimes why God chose certain things. Part of it is, that I think, is our faith and our belief that he's doing it in the muddy puddle. Are you going to, like Brian said, yield? It's both his and I pet peeve. Good gravy. That little yellow sign, that means you acquiesce. You yield. It means you, you have to come to a stop if you can't go in there. You put God first. The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he goes on, he says, he proclaims this is part of his thing, is to get people to understand and grasp. So hopefully, and he wants to present every man complete. And he labors and strive according to the power that mightily works within him. Right. And to give it to you, I want to give that to you today, a little grasp of it. Ephesians chapter 1. Twelve through fourteen. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Okay, there's, remember I, that little teaser I gave you to the praise of his glory? 
I hope this lesson here in itself is to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel, that good news and salvation, having also believed, you were sealed. See, that's the thing is so much it stops right there and doesn't go on. Uh, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Huh? No. Having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is given as a pledge or as the down payment of our inheritance. You, you know, for those who live in Oregon, it's the only state in the union that has an inheritance tax. Most of us aren't wealthy enough to worry about the federal one, but if you live in Oregon, better look out. They're, they're going to own it. You don't have an inheritance. But this is the inheritance of God. You are heirs, you are sons and daughters. You're the bride. You know, because I retired... You know, I tease my wife all the time. Good Lord needs to take me home. You'd be living high in the hall. <laughs> she didn't like that very much. <laughs> An inheritance. And it's, it's a down payment. With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Again, what, what's the term? To the praise of his glory. Romans chapter 8. One through 17. Therefore, there is now condemnation. So here's kind of that whole thing like in Colossians. We get the rear view mirror, and then we get to transition on through. There's no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was to the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sin to the flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit. For those who are in according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Are we as Christians set our minds on the things of the flesh? Because if the hope is not manifested in you now, living out as Kirk talked about last night, what are you manifesting? Where's your mindset? The things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, it does not subject itself to the law of God or the love of God, or is not even able. Those are outside, and I would even say those in the church who have their mind set on the flesh and not on the Spirit, you won't be able. You can't live the life of power. And that's what Satan wants. Hey, take a look over here. Man, it's so despairing and everything else. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, what's another passage? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So hope and faith are all tied together. However, you are not in the flesh. If indeed the spirit, but in the, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. 
And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Life through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption and sons which cry out, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and children, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Let me talk for just a few more minutes here, and then we got a couple passages to wrap up. How are we doing on time? The Spirit is the hope of glory. It's just, it's beyond forgiveness. It's that which is life. It's the ability for us to live and it's the ability for us to overcome. The Spirit in you. The fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form. Power. Look out here. This is all going to be burned up, but God just like spoke it and it did. <laughs> you know, I mentioned in James 2.26, says the body without the spirit is dead. And here it says, the spirit is that which gives life. In Luke 11, verses 24 through 26, he says, he's talking about a house being cleaned out. It's only cleaned out. It's not filled. And it, that's a pretty good thing. It's all clean and everything like that, but pretty soon what happens? Drug addict can tell you what happens all the time. Because they get clean, and some of them would just beg, Drillinger, there's anything, if I could just stop. I said, that's not going to do it. If you just stop, you get clean, what happens? If there's nothing there to fill it? Yes. The case becomes worse and worse and worse. If you're just clean, it's going to get worse. There's hopelessness in that. Baptism of repentance. You see that, why did Paul ask that group of guys? And I think he probably received a little glimpse of that. I bet you he asked a lot of groups of this. He said, hey, did you receive the Spirit when you were baptized? And I, well, I don't know. Kind of knew there's a spirit. We didn't really know there's a spirit. Yeah, that's why I heard a message from Steve Compton, and it got me to where I didn't know. It got me doing something. And so many in Christian, what do they do? They're really just teaching a baptism of repentance. Yeah. Forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Oh yeah, just cleaned out. But you're not filled. And what's going to happen? There's no hope. 
Because you have no life in you. Because the Spirit does not dwell there. The world tries to give hope. You see billions of self-help books and self-help ideas. You see the biggest drug dealers in the world in their commercials. Hey, take this. We'll cure you. We'll give you hope. You can go on and, hey, have a happy life. Or the underworld will provide all kinds of hope for you. Healing. But by the Spirit, um, the world tries to give that. Yet it's all temporal. It seeks something to fill the void. The cleaned out house. Satan's got a bunch of buddies. So he comes and he'll just camp out there. It's only temporal. And it's truly, it's hopelessness with the shiny apple on the outside to make you think that there's hope. It's crossing of the fingers. But it's only by the Spirit that we can put to death the deeds of the body. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You've got to replace the bad with the good. There has to be a filling. It says, the word says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the mindset on the flesh is death. He says in Romans chapter 8 that you can't please God. If your mind is on the flesh, as if are you of the flesh? You can't please God. You can't do it. You can't overcome. It's only by the Spirit that gives you life that you have the power to overcome and live the life of Christ. Because it's Christ in you who lives. It's not you living anymore. That's right. The fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form. And what does he say? Apart from you, you can do nothing. But through me, you can do all things. Through the power and the strength of God, he says, you can do all things. In Galatians 5, he says, talks about Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For they're in opposition to one another. And he talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is. Those who are led by the Spirit, as he says in Romans chapter 8. If you're walking by that, how can you be mean if you're being kind? You can't. And it's by the Spirit. And it's the manifestation of the character of Christ spelled out in his saints. But it doesn't just stop with the power that you have to overcome. The power you have to walk because it's Christ living in you. But it should be more than that. You see, more? Let's go take a look. And what? Three or four minutes I have. I'm really hurry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Six minutes. Six minutes, okay. I will really try to. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 6 through 11. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Are you looking at this? And then is the glory of God shining and being manifested in your life. If the Spirit indwells you, 
you should be powerfully shining out. If you have the glorious expectation of not only your sins being forgiven, but to be with God forever and ever and ever, nobody take that away. There should be joy and peace, and there's power in that. And it should shine forth. It's just not the power to overcome. It's the power to give the light of the glory, this gospel of God. But we have this treasure, the inheritance, and earthen vessels so that the power will be of God and not from ourselves. It is not you. Amen. It's the spirit, the deity of dwelling in you. God, not from ourselves. He says afflicted in every way. So, Mr. Nagy talked about being afflicted and the things that are coming. For the things that are there. God causes the rain on the good and bad. So what's the difference? For the Christian. Afflicted in every way but not crushed. Perplexed but not despairing. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Mr. Nagy going through that. Manifesting God's glorious character. Because he was doing in prayer. And his hope was in God. There's a passage that talks about. And let endurance have its perfect result. There's things that talk about. I think it's Romans chapter 5. I was going to go there but we don't have time. Romans 5. 1 through 5. Living in this life. There's going to be all the despair of the world. But the Christian is going to powerfully and miraculously live out that life through the Spirit who indwells it. It's not just the hope that we have for all eternity. And I think I'm out of time, and I really meant to spend some time in uh, John chapter 17. I would ask you to go and read that entire chapter. And it kind of gives you a picture of Jesus and his Father and what he desires for uh, all of us, and I will read in closing uh, verses 20 and 24. I'm out of time. I do not ask behalf on these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may continually believe that you sent me. So that the world may know the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, and I in them, and you in me, that they may be protected in unity, so that the world may continually know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also may be, you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see the glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. See the power of the gospel and the glory of God and take a